The new year is as much a time to look forward as it is to look back. What are we going to do differently in 2024? Where do we leave money on the table in 2023? As you craft your strategy to make 2024 the best year yet, consider leveraging better tools to get a better outcome. Yelp Guest Manager pairs the largest consumer network in the country with reservation and waitlist software designed to ensure you're as busy as possible. From large parties to last-minute diners, capture 100% of the demand for your restaurant. To see the growth potential for your restaurant, visit restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp for a free evaluation and start 2024 strong. Now here we go. We want to be that neighborhood restaurant where people come three, four times a month. And it's just been internally on our part, the challenging part of figuring out how we can keep our margins the, the way we need them to without sacrificing the quality of our food. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Are you on track to hit your profitability goals for this year? If you're struggling to hit your numbers, I might be able to help. Here's how I do it. Every year, I offer five complimentary growth sessions to restaurant owners looking to scale. In this call, we'll examine your current situation to see what is and isn't working. We'll identify your growth possibilities by the close of the year. We'll uncover the number one thing holding you and your business back. And we'll develop a growth plan that will get your business results. Go to planwithjosh.com to schedule one of the five complimentary growth sessions. They're going to go quickly. They always do. More often than not, when outsiders decide to become restaurant owners, the results are disastrous. But there's so much to learn from those rare success stories. Today, we sit down with Michael Chong, a businessman turned restaurant man, and his culinary director, Chef Samuel Kim, to discuss what they've done better than most, what they've learned along the way, and what they're planning to achieve next. I've been a big foodie my entire life, so watch the Food Network, always reading the reviews and finding the restaurants and visiting there on the weekends. And Bek Chung, I was a huge fan of the brand 12 years ago. And when the Korean company was looking for a partner in the U.S., they reached out to me and asked whether I wanted to partner with them to expand the brand in the U.S., North America. So I definitely jumped on it and took a big investment but I wanted to also take an operating role at the same time. So just a huge fan of the brand. I love food and I thought it's a perfect marriage for an opportunity to build a great company and to expand the brand. I feel like this industry is wrought in a positive way and a negative way with first timers in the industry. And I think the biggest issue there is the delta between the expectation of what it's like to be a restaurateur versus the practical application, which is typically less glamorous than we initially thought. Talk to me about your expectations versus the realities of taking an operational role in a new industry. It's definitely been the hardest I've ever worked in my careers. I've been across various industries from software to internet to insurance to business services, and I've never worked this hard in my life. <laughs> it is, you can try to plan for different uh, 
issues in the business and try to be in front of them, but everything is always changing. And But the reward is beautiful. When you see customers who are happy and they're inside the restaurant with smiles and dancing to the K-pop music and walking out that they had just a great meal and a great time, all that hard work and the 100-hour work weeks is the reward. So being in front of the customer like that and seeing the fruit of all of our hard work and all the things that we do to provide a great dining experience is truly a blessing for why I like to be in this business. So one of the unexpected advantages of being an outsider and coming in is a beginner's mindset, that you're actually able to take like a first principles perspective when coming into the business. But I'm also sure that you were able to bring in all of the skills that you had acquired over the years from the other industries that you had been in. So that being the case, what skills do you think you brought to the table that you had honed in other industries that have served you well as a restaurateur? Yeah, it's just the leadership skills and really being focused on the strategy and making that long-term investment, really playing the long ball, right? Um, You have challenges working with the restaurant staff and the level of experience that they have in working. I come from a business-to-business environment, a B2B world where a lot of my customers are large corporations. And now having to deal with customers on a B2C level was a challenge for me because it's something that it's a different type of training, a different type of level setting with your employees of how to deal with customers like that. So that's been the challenge for me. So, I mean, what you're talking about in essence is professionalism. So how does that work? I mean, do you work to professionalize your staff in what is typically a less professional environment or did you adjust your expectations? I had to surround myself with really, really smart people that came from the restaurant industry. So in the last three years since COVID, when we reset the business, it gave me the opportunity to bring in the restaurant experience staff like Sam and others who have a wealth of restaurant experience. In the beginning, as we built the business, the strategy was really to try to expand the business. So instead of really investing in an experienced team, We had to spend the money to expand the restaurants with new openings. But since COVID, it gave us the opportunity to kind of reset the business and bring in really restaurant-level people. So now, pre-COVID, if you look at the management team, we had probably five years of combined restaurant experience. Post-COVID now, with the new team, we probably have 100 years of experience in the restaurant. So it's made my job a lot easier bringing in really qualified people like Sam to help me build up the strategy and roll up the business. So, And Sam, how did you and Michael get connected? Very randomly. And when I think about it kind of serendipitously, we were kind of coming out of COVID. It was through a recruiter. I'm originally from New York. And I get a lot of reach outs by recruiters asking me, hey, this popped up. Because I've been in New York. I was in New York for so long that I knew most of the recruiters. And I never really ever opened any of their emails or reached out to anything through LinkedIn or text messaging. But for some reason, just one morning, like the one came in and I was just like, let me see what this is about. And the reach out was, hey, there's a rapidly growing Korean company that is looking for someone of your qualifications. Would you be interested in speaking? And I think it was just perfect timing, right? I was kind of stagnant in where I was running the restaurant group that I was in New York looking for kind of a new opportunity. And up until that point in my career, I had never really done anything with Korean food. 
which is my family's background. It's the food that I eat at home. I grew up in Korea during my high school years. So, you know, it's a huge part of who I am. So I was like, this is an opportunity that I think I should be open to and listen to. And, and again, living in New York, and I found out that the opportunity was in California. I was very hesitant. I was like, you know, my family is very rooted. My wife has her career in New York. So I was like, maybe I'll just use this as an opportunity to just kind of brush up my interviewing skills and just see what's out there. And the first two rounds of interviews, honestly, HR and the operations guy, I was just that same mindset. But then after speaking with Michael, seeing that there's a lot of similarities in terms of how we view the business and how we view how to build a team and the hospitality aspect of it. After speaking with him, I told my wife, I remembered, I was like, hey, I think maybe we should be a little bit more serious about this. That's how we initially met. Yeah. And that's when you discovered that California is literally the only place on the planet <laughs> worth living. <laughs> um, the yeah. Weather. The, weather, the, weather, the weather here is amazing. I'm not a huge fan of the traffic here. The sure. traffic and driving around to the restaurants sometimes can be a bear. But now I've kind of figured out when to go to certain restaurants. I'll be like, oh, it's three o'clock. No, I'm not calling there right now because it'll take me two hours to get there. But the weather is unbeatable. And we're based in the South Bay in Torrance. And the weather here is 75 sunny and no humidity, beautiful breeze coming off the water. It really is fantastic. From someone who's lived in areas where there's always been four distinct seasons and the summertime always being hot and humid, right? In Korea, it's hot and humid. On the East Coast of the U.S., it's hot and humid. So not having to deal with the humidity has been quite enjoyable. And let's talk about culture for a minute. The restaurants that I owned in Los Angeles were all Southern. I'm Southern. I'm from the Deep South. And there's a cultural heritage around Cajun and Creole food that we cook, that I grew up with. And what I found in preparing food that is specific to one culture, especially my culture, especially a very vocal culture, is that no one's comparing your food to other restaurants. They're comparing food to the food that their grandmothers prepare and their aunts and their uncles, which kind of led to the joke that somebody would walk into the kitchen boldly, say, that's not how you make gumbo. This is how you make gumbo. To which I would say, well, if you think your grandmother can push a thousand covers tonight, let's put her on the line and see how she does. It's difficult. It's incredibly difficult because the other line that you dance around is authenticity versus becoming a theme restaurant. And there's a huge difference between creating a Korean restaurant in Los Angeles and creating a restaurant in Los Angeles that would look identical in Korea, right? So talk to me about your ideologies and your logic around being an ambassador of your culture, how it translates to the audience and how you've dealt with overcoming any criticism that you've experienced as it relates to that. It's pretty unique that you chose the word ambassador, because that's kind of our mindset. And even throughout my short time here with the company, and with the cultural phenomenon that Korean culture has kind of taken globally, you know, there's been a lot more interest in the food that we do and the entertainment that we produce, be it through movies or shows or or music as well. There's a lot of interest now in it. And we as a company feel that it's important to really represent it truly, right? To represent what a true experience would be like to have Korean barbecue. When you go into our dining rooms, 
you get transported or I get transported a little bit to, wow, this is what it really is like to eat in Korea. And I think that a lot of other Korean restaurants, they've lost that kind of uniqueness when you go into a dining room. It doesn't feel like it's a Korean restaurant, right? If you didn't know, or if you hadn't seen the menu, just the aesthetics in terms of how they decided to decorate the restaurants don't reflect a very Korean nature to it. So for us, and as we continue to expand into areas, I mean, in Southern California and LA, everyone's been exposed to Korean food for so long because there's always been a large population of Korean people. But as we decide to move into other areas that maybe don't have that Korean population, we really want to show those people their first exposure to Korean barbecue meal will be very, very indicative of what you would experience in Korea. And that is a pillar of what we do. And I know when Michael designs the restaurants and he decides what's going to go into it, that is his primary thought, right? Is this going to feel like a Korean restaurant when you go into it? Is the food going to be strictly authentic in terms of how we do it? And honestly, for me, the biggest compliment that we get is, is, wow, your marinated short ribs is better than the one that my mom or grandmother cooked, right? So that's what we're always striving for. And that's what we always keep our focus on is to not lose that authenticity in our identity. I mean, to add to what Sam says, Josh, I mean, our purpose here, I mean, what do you call the mission statement or, or a purpose statement is, is to share the joy of Korean culture and flavors with everyone we meet in the AT. So all of our decisions are made around that. You know, when Sam introduces a dish, I want to make sure it's very authentic and true to the Korean flavors. It's not, and whether... The designs we have, the placemats, the interior, just everything is really trying to share the Korean culture and flavors with everyone that comes to a baekjang. So if you look at our new location in San Jose and Seattle that we opened last year, it's very true to when you walk inside, you can see all of the traditional Korean furnitures and designs and elements as if you were in Korea and we stay true to that. So and all of our decisions in the company. And our growth plan is around that. So I think that the statute of limitations is probably up on this so I could talk about it openly. When I opened the bar in Hollywood back in 2010, the bar was called 504, which is the area code for New Orleans. And I put out a Craigslist post. And again, it was a very different world back then. And I said, if you are from Southern Louisiana and you want a job at a bar, I will hire you. That's all it said. There was a line out the door. And it was because I didn't know how to build Southern Louisiana culture into the fabric of the business without having people that had firsthand experience of what that was like. And simply them existing in this space created that culture over time, which came with as many benefits as it did drawbacks over the years, just based on how wild Southern people are. But when you go to San Jose, your floor staff are the ambassadors of your culture as much as you are, as much as the cuisine is. How do you indoctrinate them into the Korean values that ultimately built the restaurant? Listen, I mean, you've hit the nut to crack, right? Culture, and it's difficult to really translate that from a Korean perspective. But from a restaurant perspective, we talk about who we are as a restaurant, right? The hospitality aspect of it. I mean, every restaurant, you know, perfunctory, you give great service, right? But what's the hospitality aspect of it? And, you know, hospitality is a huge thing for Korean people. 
right? And that's what translates through, is that's a universal theme that's not just unique to being Korean. It's just unique to, it's generalized to being a great restaurant, but just being a good person as well. So that's what we really kind of focus on. When you go into your Korean home, you are treated like a king or a queen. Your host and the Korean perspective of it is, is that we will do everything and anything that we can to make your visit to our home enjoyable because you're a special person when we come into our homes. Because Korean people, we have kind of two sides to ourselves. We have the public side and we have the private side. And if you're a person that is able to be invited into a Korean person's home, then they're really opening themselves up to you. So we view our restaurants as our home, right? We view everyone who comes into our restaurants as guests in our home. So I really push the team to really refer to them as guests and not customers. Right, because it kind of changes the mindset in terms of how we deal with them. The training that we give them and the example that we show through the leadership is, is that we treat everyone as if they're in our home. And we empower our servers, not just our servers, but everyone on every level that works in our restaurants to like to align cook, cook this dish as if you're cooking it for your mother. Or to a hostess, greet this person as if this is your relative, right? And that training that we try to instill upon them, that's what really drives us. So the culture of it, and then once they get used to the hospitality aspect of it and they start to reach that, then we're always layering in the Korean perspective to it. But we try to find what's universal. What will they understand in the beginning? That they can understand, hey, listen, this translates beyond just a Korean cultural thing. This is just a universal thing amongst everyone. That's how we go about teaching our staff, especially like the ones that we have in San Jose, where it's our first location there. When we opened it, we definitely brought up team members from Southern California that would really help train and demonstrate that cultural perspective that we're looking to instill upon the new staff. But it's never done in one day. And we had a training period of several weeks. Every day is a new learning experience and a new teaching moment for us to continue improving the staff's understanding of what it is to work in a Korean restaurant. And then you've mentioned a couple of times now, niching down. You don't serve chicken because that's not available on traditional Korean restaurants in Korea. That's a terrifying prospect, right? As a restaurateur, as a chef, it leads to success. I mean, what I found more often than not is the tighter we niche, the more dedicated our audience, the higher customer frequency, the higher our referral rate. There are all of these benefits, right? But I could promise you these benefits 30 days, 90 days, 120 days from now. But it's still going to hurt in the early days, right? As you're solidifying yourself and your reputation, refusing to budge, maintaining your niche. Talk to me about the strategy around that and the courage that it took and the strength that it took to compel your staff and convince them that like, this is the path. We're not going to bend. I don't care how many people complain. This is the right decision for this restaurant. Yeah. I mean, Josh, it's something that we don't want to be a one size fits all, right? You know, and offer this expansive menu. We wanted to kind of be almost like the in and out of Korean barbecue to just really focus on what we do well, which is really beef and pork, right? Korean barbecue restaurants in Korea are primarily just beef and pork. So we want to stay true to reflecting us as a traditional Korean barbecue as you were to be in Korea. So, and to stay true to that. And I think it's helped us in our popularity to continue to have this uber following of staying true to our colors and not changing 
based on what a single customer may want. So talk to me about the nature of your relationship with each other. No one can see it but me. But when he's talking, you're nodding your head and vice versa. And there's a lot of alignment there. And that alignment, some of it, let's call it like 15%, comes from background just being naturally aligned. But the rest of it comes from working side by side, the willingness to have difficult conversations, the ability to compromise. In your mind, what has created the successful relationship between the two of you? Josh, Sam and I had a really great interview in the beginning. I saw a lot of myself in Sam, the quotes that he lives by, the work ethic, the long hours, the sacrifices he makes personally for his career. He wants to eventually lead a restaurant group, eventually be a CEO of a company. Our upbringing, the heavy influence by our parents and education, education, and seeing a lot of those similarities, Sam stood above everyone else during the interview process. I didn't tell that to him so he could maybe leverage a better compensation package, (laughs) you know, but he and I are very, very similar. And it's almost like as I got to work with Sam, almost from the very beginning, he has become, it's almost like a, a real little brother to me. Sam had to take a leave for a couple months and just came back to work. And we had a really big welcome back lunch for him a couple of days ago. I broke down. I broke down in tears in front of the entire company because he and I are very similar. We have really bonded the last couple of years working together. And I feel comfortable when I used to go out in the field all the time. But because we built this great relationship and this really bond, I'm comfortable with me not going out to the field because I know that Sam is looking at the business with the fine-tooth comb just as I would and drives the team and sets these very high expectations. So we've built a really good relationship where I can fully trust him with the business, right? So, Sam, anything you'd like to add to that? I mean, everything Michael said, I agree with. And I mentioned it earlier. I went into the interview process just mindset of I'm using it as practice. But speaking with Michael, and I think we spoke for like two hours that day. And I've worked for a lot of the big restaurateurs in New York, right? But just the the complete mindset of how we approach the business. Also, our aspirations of being able to share our food. Michael lived in Korea for a long time. I lived in Korea as well. We also have very similar taste. Our palate is the same. So when he tastes something and I taste it, we're both like, oh, this is off. Or, hey, this tastes great. And not just in Korean food, but just food in general. Like There were just so many common areas where we thought the same and how we approached not just business, but life, right? I feel like a lot of who we are was determined by our upbringings, by our parents. So just the moral fabric that he kind of stands and approaches life with, I respect it and I agree with it because those were lessons taught to me by my parents as well. So for me, it was an easy transition right? Just working for someone who really kind of thinks about it the same way that I do. Now, I've learned a lot from him because he approaches the restaurant business from a unique perspective that I've never dealt with from other restaurateurs that I've done because he came from other industries. But that's just all been kind of growing opportunities and learning curves for me. But in terms of the similarities, it was evident from the first conversation that we had together. I want to talk about profitability. And margins are a function of profitability. And pricing is a hurdle these days. 
And I think you can lump Korean food in with Mexican food and Chinese food in the way that there is some inherent bias that it should be cheap. You see that a lot these days. And you see brands very similar to yours in other cuisines that are working to break those stereotypes and increase perceived value, trying to prove out that those biases are incorrect. I would assume you've come up against those issues in the past. How have you worked to overcome them? And what's the messaging strategy for you and your team? TechTune has been around for a long time. But we still get surprised sometimes for guests that come in and they're surprised that we're not an all-you-can-eat barbecue restaurant. And for a long time, I think that's been a lot of the exposure that people have had to Korean barbecue is that it's kind of a buffet style. Now, again, Southern California is a little bit different because the dining scene and the cultural awareness of Korean barbecue is different. People understanding they're a la carte. So it's been a challenge. We won't sugarcoat it logistical challenges that COVID presented, it really disrupted the supply chain. So we have not compromised on our quality that we serve at the restaurant, right? We only serve USDA prime beef, right? The highest quality that we can source in the U.S., whereas other competitors have probably lowered their quality while also raising menu prices. This has not been a frustration of mine with Michael, but it's been a Man, like the meat prices continually rise, but he's been very resistant to raise menu prices too much, right? We've only taken menu prices strategically when it absolutely had to be made. But compared to competitors in the Southern California market, we haven't been as aggressive in raising our menu prices as they have. And it's because we always want to be that cream barbecue restaurant that isn't a once in a year or twice a year type of an occasion. We want to be that neighborhood restaurant where people come three, four times a month. And it's just been internally on our part, the challenging part of figuring out how we can keep our margins the, the way we need them to without sacrificing the quality of our food. So we've gone out, try to find new purveyors. We're constantly sourcing or scouring the country for people that will be able to produce beef to the quality that we feel is what we serve at Peckjong. And again, that's the challenging part, but then that's also the fun part of the job, right? Is that... I don't want to ever diminish what people kind of built before I got here. My job is to always improve it. And coming from my restaurant background, you don't improve it by lowering the quality of your food. We have a lot of loyal fans that are loyal because we've always served probably the best quality cuts of meat in LA. And our mission is to continue doing so and keep it affordable for people to come. But we have a certain, you talk about niche, we have a certain niche in the market, right? We're not all you can eat. But we're also not the high-end premium cream barbecue places that break the bank, right? We, we're right under there. Our meat quality is exactly the same, if not better, than some of those high-end premium cream barbecue places. But we, we're the accessible one. And that's always been Michael's drive to keep it that way. And it makes sense, right? We love to be part of the, every community that we put a restaurant in. We really feel that's an important part of the company is not just be there for as a business, but be there as a community member and contribute to the benefit of the community too. What should we steal from you guys? What are the tactics, tools, and strategies that you've used to scale and to thrive that are easily replicatable by the owners and operators listening today? I mean, we just stay true to our mission statement, to our purpose of bringing joy of Korean culture and flavor to everyone we meet, you know, really hiring, you know, a really strong team that can do 
a lot of the legwork for me. I provide the vision and the team goes out and executes. And I just make sure that they continue to stay close to our purpose, why we have Back Chum. And I think that's, you know, stay true. It's been a big part of our success. Sam, anything to add? I'm on the same page. I mean, one, we've been blessed that this is kind of the time period where Korean interest in everything Korea is really booming. But I think the sustainability of it and the longevity that Peck Jung has shown. I mean, we Peck Jung was here before all this interest. And now maybe we kind of created some of it, right, on a certain level. But definitely in terms of Korean barbecue here in L.A. But it's always been that successful restaurants, you have to identify your core competencies, right? Like, who are you really? Because at the end of the day... You can't satisfy everyone. And if you try to satisfy everyone or every review that comes in and then you switch it because this review said this and this review said this, then you lose your identity. And if you go into a Peck Chung now, it's the same identity as what it was when it was first introduced into the U.S., right? And because we've stayed true to ourselves, we're, we recognize that we're not for everyone. But thankfully, based upon the strength of the brand, We've developed a loyal following of those people over the years that appreciate what we do. And we've just become a part of their regular lives. And that's always been the mission is let's stay true to ourselves because we believe in what we offer, the experience as well as the quality of food. And we feel confident that people will appreciate it and they'll keep coming through our doors. The restaurant industry is filled with all of these unspoken rules and traditions about how things should be done. How would you like to see the industry turn the tables to create a better future for all of us? I mean, I'm kind of old school. I came up in Mission Kitchens in New York City. So I've seen the switch in restaurants. I don't want to say the abuse that I took, but it was to a certain extent. A lot of it was. And you would put up with it because you wanted this restaurant on your resume or this was a learning opportunity for you. And what I see is is that there's been kind of a mindset switch in terms of how restaurants treat their employees. And I think that's one area where the hospitality lacked for so long was that which you just burn through employees. But we realized that the company is nothing without the people that work on the ground level or in the field for us on a daily basis, right? They're the ones in front of the guests. They're the ones lifting the heavy weight. So... We focus on taking care of our employees. We look really hard to find the right people. But once they're in the doors with us, we try to give them everything, every tool that they need to succeed and also be happy. We focus on work-life balance. We don't run our managers into the ground. We do expect a lot from them. We, I push them a lot, but we appreciate that the work that they give. And I think that's a mindset that still hasn't been taken on by the whole industry. But I think that... COVID was a big wake up for a lot of the restaurants, but I think that this continually something that needs to happen. There's still really high turnover rates in the hospitality industry. Our turnover rate is really, really good, very, very low. And we pride ourselves because we have people that believe in the vision of the company and they enjoy working for the company. And that stability, it translates on every level. Our industry suffers from razor-thin margins, and the only way for us to ensure profitability is to make data-driven decisions. The numbers don't lie, and Yelp for Restaurants just released some incredibly compelling numbers. For starters, Yelp reaches nine times more customers online than OpenTable. 
And would restaurants pair that level of visibility with Guest Manager and Yelp ads? They experience up to an 8% lift in diner bookings. Think about what that 8% lift could do for your restaurant's finances. To learn more about how Yelp for Restaurants can support your business, visit restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp to learn more today. That's Michael Chan and Samuel Kim. For more information on their restaurant group, visit kijung.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.